You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Well, today I want to minister a message more special than you will ever know. More special than you will ever know. Many times we sit here and we think, well, yeah, Jesus, you say that about everybody. Everybody is special and you love everybody. But I want to take some time today for you to understand how special you are to God, how much God loves you, how much God appreciates you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God said, let us make man. It wasn't an individual decision where God the Father said, let's make man, and the Holy Spirit was not in agreement, and Jesus said, "Mm, I I don't think it's a good idea. This was God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that said, let us make man in our image and likeness. In God's image and likeness. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 8, the psalmist says that it's so wonderful and amazing when he starts to think about the fact that God is thinking about him. What is man that you are mindful of him? The next verse says, you've made him a little lower than the angels. That word angel is not angel like what we know. It's the word Elohim. It's God most high. So not only did God make you in his image and likeness, but the psalmist said a little lower than God himself. Job says it's the breath of the Almighty that gives us life. The Spirit of God has made me. But it's the breath of the Almighty that gives me life. So when you start to think about who you are and what God has created, there's nothing ordinary about you. You're made in God's image and in His likeness, a little lower than God Himself. God, the Holy Spirit, was involved in the breath of the Almighty. Ruach is the thing that gives you life. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's nothing ordinary about you. You are more special than what you realize. Do you really believe that? Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139. I want to take some time, and I'm I'm going to read the whole Psalm 139. And I want to encourage you to, to read Psalm 139 when you get home, and maybe in this week, meditate upon it again. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your tremendous grace that you have towards us. Thank you, Lord, that even as I minister the word of God, that your people will hear your voice upon my voice, O Father. Touch hearts and change hearts and establish once and for all in people's hearts who they are in Christ Jesus, who you've created them to be, O Lord, and that they would see themselves through the eyes of Jesus and be one with the difference. We thank you for that. We bless you for that. And all God's people said... Amen. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Let me just stop there. God knows you. Sometimes we try and figure ourselves out, who we are, who we're supposed to be. But God knows you. Amen. He knows you. Verse 2. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. I mean, sometimes we're trying to understand our own thoughts. 
Am I talking to the right people here? Isn't this good news to know that there's somebody that knows how you think? Hmm? Sometimes, don't raise your hand, but sometimes some of you think that you're a little bit weird the way that you think. Just double blink at me if, if I'm talking to you. Don't, don't raise your hand, amen? Since you understand my thought afar off, you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. The way you talk, the way you jam, God knows all of that, young people. Amen. <laughs> we, you know, when I was younger, I thought, I'm never going to be like my parents and say, I don't understand my children. I'm going to understand my children. Just until you've got children. Then you think like, why do you think this way? Why do you talk this way? God understands you. That's good news. Amen. Whether you're young or old, God knows us. He understands us. Look at verse 5. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Can you guys just put the um, Passion Translation up quickly for me? I want you to see this in the Passion Translation. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings wonder and strength. The fact that God understands you should make you strong and confident. Amen? I like that God going behind us, disconnecting us from the things in our past that can harm and hurt us. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. He's saying here, whether you want to go up into the sky, whether you want to go into the deepest part of the earth, whether you want to run away over the oceans, Wherever you're going to go, God knows exactly where you are. Amen? Turn to the person next you say, you cannot get away from God. He's with you. Isn't this what we want to know? We want to know that God is with us. If God is with us, who can be against us? Amen? If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be like light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from me, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to the person next to you and say, whether you like it or not, you are a masterpiece. Turn to the person on the other side and tell them, say, whether you like it or not, you are a masterpiece. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, they all were written. 
Proverbs 15 verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place. God sees us all the time. We sometimes feel like, God, where are you? God is aware of your situation. Verse 17, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Somewhere here, this thing just took a major turn. While he's just praising God, he's just thinking about all these bad people doing things. Amen. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Who of you have ever experienced perfect hatred? Don't raise your hand. I think just double blink at me. Amen. <laughs> I hate them with a perfect hatred. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I mean, there's so many things here. But I want to start by just saying, God is with us. God is with us, and God is thinking good thoughts about you and me. When we read this, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You know where that originated? In heaven. It originated in heaven. God thinking good thoughts about us. You know, many people have been delivered from fear and from anxiety, from low self-esteem or whatever thing that's been hindering you. You've been set free and delivered, but you've never changed your thinking. You've never started to think high thoughts, great thoughts. God has disconnected you from limitation, but you've never started thinking big. Am I talking to the right people here? God disconnects you from things but then you don't start thinking God kind of thoughts. You still think those thoughts of disappointment, of failure. I want to encourage you, take some time and start to think some big thoughts. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to think big thoughts. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? The Passion Translation says, wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. Can I just rephrase that? The Holy Spirit bringing light into your night simply means that the Holy Spirit is not embarrassed by your situation. Whatever you are facing, just think about this for one second. God, the creator of the universe who dwells in light, in righteousness, in holiness, became a man and went to hell. Clothed with our sin. And he sent the Holy Spirit into hell to disconnect him from all of that. It teaches us the Holy Spirit is not embarrassed by your situation. Whatever you are facing, he's there to help you and to see you through. Can I have at least one amen? amen. Turn to the person next to you and just remind them. Say, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. is not embarrassed, not embarrassed by your situation. 
but he wants to turn your night into light. You know, the Holy Spirit knows everything about you. He even knows your deep things. The things that you think people don't understand about you, he knows those things about you. Because he's the one who made you. Amen? He's the one who made you. 2 Corinthians 2.10 says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. He is the deep things of God. God knows everything about you. But still, we don't want to go to God with all our problems, all our difficulties, all our cares. He understands the way that you think. Your thoughts. The things going through your mind. He understands that. He does not just understand what you are thinking, but how you will respond. The things that you would say. Have you said any silly things in the past week, in the past month? Just raise your hand, let me see. Yes. Can I say this? He knew who was going to be your mom and your dad. So that you could be the best you. Because if God the Father is no respecter of person, and he took time in choosing a mother and a father for Jesus. It took exactly the same time in choosing your mom and dad. I'm waiting for one amen here from the youth side. <laughs> God is no respecter of person. And I know many times people say, well, my dad this or my mom this. Joseph was a carpenter. And I don't know if you know some carpenters. I know one or two carpenters. They're quite strict. Things must be perfect. Things must be right. And that's the kind of dad that discipled Jesus. Maybe not always perfect, but it built the right things in him to be the kind of person that he became. Can I have one amen? So honor your mother and your father. Amen. Psalm 139, verse 16 to 18, the Passion Translation says, You saw who you created me to be before I became me. God knew who you were going to be, your temperament, your way of doing things, the snappiness, the kindness, the gentleness, the way you come over too strong sometimes. Am I talking to the right people? Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Wow. God is thinking about you. God was thinking good thoughts about you when you were yet unformed. A matter of fact, he recorded the good things he wants you to do. He recorded the good things that he had planned for you. He wrote them down. He was committed to them. Turn to the person next to you and say, God has planned good things for you. So when God says you're a masterpiece, some people might say, saying that about everybody, everybody is a masterpiece. When you say you're a special, Everybody, no. You are one of a kind. 
You're the only person with the name that you've got, with the color eyes that you've got, born from the culture that you are, with the temperament that you've got, with the language that you speak, with what God has called you to do. Right now, there's, I think, just under 8.1 billion people. You won an 8.1 billion people. And when God looks at you, he thinks, you're one of a kind. When he looks at you, decade, you're one of a kind. I've only got one decker on this planet. And I've planned good things for her. And I'm thinking good thoughts about her. And I want to make her way straight. I want to make her way smooth. I'm going to open doors for her that nobody can close. And yes, there might be some difficulties along the line. But God says, I'm busy perfecting everything concerning you. I've written every good thing down that I'm thinking about you. The psalmist says, the thoughts that you have towards me are more than the sand upon the seashore. How marvelous, how wonderful is it? I mean, some of you are going to the beach now. Just go walk there and just look at the sand. That's just one beach full of sand. The thoughts that God has got concerning you are more than that. The first thought about you originated in heaven when you were yet unborn. Your origin is heaven, light and life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are so precious in the sight of God. You know what Isaiah 43 verse 4 says, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and have loved you. You are precious in the sight of God. Sometimes when we go through difficulties, the enemy would whisper or shout in your ear, if God loves you, if you were precious, why are you going through this? And he wants you to doubt your sonship. Family, listen to me. As God has got a master plan for your life, and he's written it down, the devil's got a plan for you as well. Jesus' plan is life and life in abundance, superior in quality and superabundant in quantity, whereas the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Do you know why he hates you so much? Because he's not made in the image and likeness of God. He's an angel, but he's not made in the image and likeness of God. You are made in the image and likeness of God, a little lower than Elohim, God himself. God wants you to be the best you, but the devil has also got a plan for your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't yield to the devil's plans. You know what Ephesians 2 verse 10 says? We have become his poetry. Poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Wow. Good works. So God has got a master plan here that he's written down for you. We have to ask ourselves, the life that we are living, if we have to overlay it over that plan, is it lining up? Is it lining up? How many of your predestined good works have you done? Don't answer. But God has planned good things for you. You know what? We don't realize our potential. We don't realize our potential. What God has deposited on the inside of us. 
When you start asking him, the Bible says he will do far more abundantly above, exceedingly, whatever you could think or dream or imagine. For us to reach our full potential, to truly become what the word says, you're going to have to give Jesus the rightful place in your heart. This is why we see so many difficulties, people going through crises, their faith being shaken, because they don't give Jesus the rightful place in their hearts. You have to give Jesus the rightful place in your heart. Christianity is all about the heart. It's all about the purity of heart. Remember I read there, David said, I hate those who hate your God with a perfect hatred. Hmm, that sounds nice. Eh? Let's, but what is the next thing that he says? He says, Lord, search me. Seek and look within my heart if there's any wicked way. The one translation say, lest I hurt your people. Because he knows how dangerous hatred is. Hatred in man's heart can destroy a man. Hatred can destroy a man. And that's why he says, I, I hate those with a perfect hatred. But Lord, just, just check my heart and make sure that it's pure. Because in Psalm 51, he had a revelation. He understood what God requires of man. Purity in the most innermost parts. He said, Lord, create in me a pure heart and a contrite spirit. Because if we don't have a pure heart, we cannot finish strong. Christianity is all about the purity of our hearts. The devil will come and plant seeds in your heart to start to think differently. To start to think that you're not special. Make you doubt that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Attack that. That's the attack on all of mankind right now. Because he does not want you to live this life where you give glory to God. What's happening in your heart? What's happening in your heart? What are the things that can keep you back? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has planned good things for you. You're going to have to leave all the junk. What is junk? Offenses, hurts, disappointments, anything in your heart that's contaminating your heart. You know, on Thursday night, we were talking and sharing quite a bit. I started touching on this. And we were just talking about the practical side of Christianity. That the way that you live at home should be the same at church. If, if you come to church and you say, Jesus, I love you, and you're faithful here on a Sunday, but Monday to Saturday you're not, there's something wrong in your heart. There's something wrong here. We have to be the same. The same yesterday, today, and forever. We spoke to the young people. We said, don't come and clean a toilet here at church, but you're not cleaning the toilet at home. Can I have an amen? If we do a I love you Jesus at home, we can do a I love you Jesus here at church. You are worthy of it all, Lord, at home. Worthy of it all here. If you're kind at home, be kind at church. And if you're kind at church, be kind at home. Doesn't help here we shout hallelujah, sing a hallelujah, and then we get home and we shout at our children. Am I talking to the right people here? If you're naughty, yes, your parents must sort you out. I'm not talking about that. Don't pull a quick one on us. God knows your thoughts. He knows your hearts. And he knows what you're going to say. Amen? <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? God wants us to be real. 
Be the same Jesus-loving person at home, at work, and at church. Let it be the same. Let that love be consistent. That doesn't mean at work now read your Bible the whole time because at home, no, no, no. Do your work and do it to the best of your ability and let the Holy Spirit empower you and let that grace work in you and through you and with you that they say we cannot go without this Christian because God is with him and God is helping him. Amen. But David said in Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. The Passion Translation says, God I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all the anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back. Take me back. Restore the joy of your salvation and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. David is just saying, clean my heart out, God. If there's anything hindering me to think those glorious thoughts, if there's anything here that's making me think or doubt or have unbelief or fear, change my way of thinking. He said, examine my heart and know my heart. You know why it's so important? Because God searches the heart to give to every man according to the doing of his heart. Jeremiah 29, that's Jeremiah 29, 10. Jeremiah 29, 11, the verse just before that says, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. This heart will deceive you. The only thing that knows the intentions of this heart is the word of God. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword to cut in between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, to discern the intents and the thoughts of a man's heart. So if you want to know what's going on in your heart, you're going to have to spend some time in the word of God. Amen? Because this will quickly reveal what's going on here. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this is the only thing. When you give the word of God the rightful place in our hearts, by its very nature, it will start to change us. It will show you. You think like, you're suddenly grumpy. Get home and you're like, hello. What's going on? Go read. As you read this, you think you're reading the Bible. The Bible is reading you. The Bible will reveal to you, hmm, you're offended with Deca. What, God? You know, she always greets you on this morning. On Sunday, she didn't greet you. You're offended with her. You're right, God. I was offended with her. But Decca was just busy. She just ran, had to do something, didn't greet me, and I took offense on something small. Forgive as Christ is forgiven, and you move on. I'm using a simple example. I'm not offended with Decca. Decca's not offended with me, I mean. I'm just using an example. But let the Word of God reveal to you where it's coming from. That grumpiness, that, that bitterness. When I start to defile, there's a reason. Hebrews 12 says that when you defile... When you're saying bad things about people the whole time, every time you see somebody, you're saying something negative about them. The root cause is bitterness. That's what the Bible says. Because of that root of bitterness, now you start to defile. You say bad things about the person. You cannot keep that bitterness there. You're in serious trouble. The next thing is that bitterness will become hatred. And when you hate a brother, you become a murderer. 
Can you see why David said, Lord, create in me a pure heart and a contrite spirit? We have to make God's word the standard. The thing that God values most about you is beyond human comprehension. Because in our hearts, we are made to be like God. So that's why God looks at the heart of man. Amen? You have to make God's word the standard for your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to make God's word the standard for your life. I'm going to close with this. You're more special than what you realize. You're number one. You're made in the image and likeness of God. Number two, you're made a little lower than Elohim himself. Number three, it is the spirit of God himself who created you. It's the breath of the Almighty that gives you life. Number four, God is busy thinking good thoughts about you. Why don't you start aligning your thoughts with heaven? David, the man who wrote all these psalms, gave his son Solomon some good advice. And I want to give that advice to all of us here this morning. He said in 1 Corinthians 28 verse 9, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. Joshua said exactly the same thing. Serve God with a willing mind. Make a decision that you want to serve God. Young people, don't come to church just because your parents say. But listen to your parents and come to church, amen? That's a good thing. But you have to get to a place where you want to serve God. Where you do it with a willing heart because God can see if you're doing it with a willing heart or not. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of your thoughts. David understood this. He says, listen, you're not going to get away from God. You cannot fool God. God knows exactly what you're thinking. He understands that. If you seek him, he will be found. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Hallelujah. Wow. That's our assignment here. Let's build a house where many people can come and experience God's presence. Let's go out and share with people. You are precious. God has made you with a purpose. He's thinking good thoughts about you so that every person can move from where they are to where God wants them to be. You are more precious than what you'll ever know. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.